Seven months in, has Joe Biden proven to be the worst president the United States has ever had? Tim Tebow exits the NFL again, and Netflix subscriptions are way down. I'm Nico Fideli. And I'm Brittany Fideli. And, and this, this is For, for the, the Republic. Republic. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Ask not what your country can do for you. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Welcome back to For the Republic. Thank you for checking out this week's episode. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and liking the video. Share it with all your friends all over social media and let the word get out that we're here and we're a growing community. This week, we're talking about Afghanistan. It's been a huge debacle. And quite frankly, the Biden administration deserves the pressure that they are receiving. This has been one of the worst foreign policy debacles in my lifetime and maybe ever since the United States has began. So what what is happening in Afghanistan? Well, the decision has been made to completely pull out of Afghanistan. And what is the result? We have basically deserted over 10,000 American civilians and we've deserted over 70,000 Afghanistan, Af Afghanistan nationals that have helped us over the 20 year war in Afghanistan. And this has just been proven to be one of the worst things that I've ever seen in regards to foreign policy. Maybe the worst. What do you think? Oh, I'm, I don't think you can really get much worse than what's going on right now. I mean, uh, the fact that the Biden administration has quite literally spent the last, oh, seven months toting how we need to save American lives and we need to protect American lives, standing on the soapbox of coronavirus vaccinations. You yeah. know, we need to save each other. And then they're willing to literally abandon almost 15,000 or up to 15,000 Americans in uh, Afghanistan and, and just uh, very callously mm -hmm. doing so. Yeah. Yeah, we've heard from the defense secretary. We've heard from the Pentagon. We've heard mixed messages. And we've heard that they don't even know how many civilians. That, that's crazy. They don't even know right. how many U.S. Uh, uh, civilians are in Afghanistan right now. Right, right. And, and like to me, like that would be like the number one priority. If you're if you're deciding that you're going to pull out of a 20 year war, my priority would be getting all of my people out, not just my troops, right. but all of the people that helped us, all of the people that you know, interpreted for us, all mm -hmm. the journalists, every everybody that's over there, the people right. who are visiting family, things like that. Because just a week ago, just a couple weeks ago, this was a peaceful nation that you right. could fly to, that you could vacation to, that you mm -hmm. could see family, you could see people that are living peacefully. The shops were open. And uh, there was Afghani police, there was mm -hmm. Afghan soldiers that were protecting people, and the Taliban was thought to be a thing of the past. Right. I mean, some of the Americans that are, are stuck over there right now are people who were visiting family members. You know, you have missionaries over there. I feel like if uh, the... If the Biden administration had the intel that it appears that they had on the situation going into this withdrawal, the first thing they should have done is at least put a travel restriction on, mm -hmm. on going into Afghanistan for recreational purposes right. so that families that were planning on visiting or people who were planning on doing missions trips or such uh, would have been able to make the decision whether it was time to either come home or whether it was time uh, to postpone a, a, a visitation or a trip. I, I think that would have been probably the first thing that they should have done is kind 
kind of given a, a heads up to the American people so that people weren't just freely traveling across uh, across the borders thinking that they were safe to be yeah. in a country that's been peaceful for, you know, over a decade. So I want to talk about real briefly on what is what is actually happening as opposed to what we're hearing from our administration. So we've heard that uh, there has been unrestricted travel to the airport. If you had the right paperwork, if mm-hmm. you had your passport or if you had your visa, if you uh, everything looked good, then you can actually have safe passage to the airport. But that is actually contrary from what we're hearing on the ground. We're actually right. hearing that uh, journalists, uh, there was a journalist from Sky News that said that the Taliban are actually just taking people's passports mm-hmm. if they if they don't like them. If they look a certain way or if they're dressed a certain way or if they just, out of, out of the... That that's that's the problem here is that we're at the mercies of this of this Taliban regime now, right? And then they can just decide, oh, you're not getting through, so we're going to take mm-hmm. your papers and you, you you go away. So right, right. And I and I think uh, it's important to note too that the information that we're actually receiving from the White House has been very contradictory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost changing really by the hour yeah. uh, what they're what they're willing to release. At first, Joe Biden was saying that uh, there's no way that we were going to go in and rescue the Americans, that we didn't have the capabilities, which is an absolute joke. Yeah. Um, then it came out that we were going to go in. Uh, then it was you, if you can make it to the airport, uh, then you, <laughs> you then you might have safe passage home, but we can't guarantee your safety. Then it was, there's nothing restricting you from making it to the airport, yeah. so you need to make it to the airport if you want to come home. Then it was, we're going to charge you $2,000 to evacuate you from the country. Then it was, never mind, we won't charge you to evacuate you from the country. So it's just been a lot of back and forth, uh, a lot of flip-flopping, a lot of really, it seems like confusion. It seems yeah. like a, just a whole lot of chaos coming from the White House at this point. Uh, it, it, the You've got Jen Psaki coming out with different information than Joe Biden. You have Joe Biden on vacation coming back for five-minute speeches to blame Donald Trump for the situation that we're in. And it's just, it's really a mess. It's, yeah. it's just an absolute yeah. chaotic mess coming and, out of the White House. And I saw the, the special report that uh, CBS had, uh, it was on Friday, um, and uh, they, it, Joe Biden spoke for the first time since Monday um, publicly, and he spoke for about five minutes off a teleprompter, mm-hmm. and then he took, uh, it seemed like, rehearsed questions mm-hmm. from the press. So right. the, he didn't even he didn't even take any tough questions. He didn't even clear any information. Like it was literally just a a a political like op like it was just stunt. like a, a stunt. So mm-hmm. um, so definitely confusing, conflicting messages coming from the White House. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're trying to clean up a mess that they've created. Right. And Joe Biden, the president especially, is just doubling down right the the uh who was it the that he got interviewed for on good morning america i can't remember his george stephanopoulos or whatever his name oh was. yes yeah stephanopoulos yeah. that was uh i mean you can see the breakdown of everybody from cnn to mm-hmm. conservatives to everybody just tearing apart that interview because it was right. just a joke right i mean he was blatantly asked like could anything have gone better mm-hmm. joe Biden flat out said this is the president that's supposed to be of empathy, right? right? He flat out said no. It didn't matter what we did, there was going to be chaos. We have right. there's video of literally 
Afghan people trying to escape the country by climbing on a C-17 and mm -hmm. falling 4,000 feet from the air. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. And you're saying that you couldn't have done anything better. Right. It's just a crap show over there right now. Right. And it's getting so bad that uh, the mainstream media is actually having to criticize Joe Biden, which is right. something we haven't really seen up until this point in his presiden presidency. We've seen a lot of excuses. We've seen even uh, to the point that you have Don Lemon uh, trying to, to finish Joe Biden's statements for him because right. he gets so confused during interviews. So y you haven't seen, you've seen a real pass from the mainstream media. You've seen a, a real pass from them uh, not asking the tough questions and, and not really, uh, you know, giving them any kind of flack for the things that they've said or the confusion that's going on. And it's gotten so bad. This this whole uh, incident is, is so bad that even the mainstream media can't defend them uh, at, to the point that they would like to. You know, you're still seeing yeah. some people saying, oh, well, this was a missed opportunity or whatever. Really, they should be raking him over the coals. I yeah. mean, there's there's yeah. no question. It doesn't matter uh, what party he's from. It doesn't matter uh, if he identifies as, as uh, you know, independent, Republican, Democrat, liberal. It doesn't matter. This whole mess has been absolutely inexcusable. And it shows you the difference between a strong leader such as Ronald Reagan and then a, a soft, weak leader who doesn't really know what they're doing. You know, yeah. it just it contrasts that that uh, the difference in in that type of leadership. Yeah. And for those who are are uh, giving sympathy, or for uh, those who are allowing grace here, let, let me remind you that the the Taliban took over Afghanistan in a matter of less than a week. Right. And like this is. This is something that was warned. This is something, if you look back in maybe April or May, uh, it was Jen Psaki did a press, and she was she was asked, um, is Biden still going to go through with this by September 11th? Because uh, military leaders were saying that potentially the Taliban could take over Afghanistan in a matter of weeks. Right. Um, and I think and, even the longest prediction was like 90 days. 90 days or something like that. Right. And so, like, uh, uh, let's take a, a little bit of time and let's kind of like uh for those who may not know and it's okay if you don't know because our president doesn't even know what what <laughs> unfolded in afghanistan so basically in the last couple of years we have reduced i think it was uh 2014 we had over fifteen thousand troops mm -hmm. in afghanistan and since then in the beginning of when their uh the administration switched over we had about 2500 troops mm -hmm. in afghanistan and we talked a little bit about uh, last episode of what the risk was to staying in Afghanistan. And we haven't had a casualty, an American soldier casualty since February of 2020. Right. So this whole thing a matter was a matter of 2,500 troops coming home. Mm -hmm. And right now we have over 5,000 troops trying to maintain, mediate the situation that's going on. Right, right. So we've doubled that since we tried to pull out. Mm -hmm. And oh, of course it's only gonna be temporary because we have that August 31st date that he's trying to pull everybody out. But the thing is, is that you already are seeing the backpedaling and you're mm -hmm. already seeing the consequences unfold all for the sake of 2,500 troops. Right. And these 2,500 troops were just there to maintain our weaponry that right. we were giving, that we were supplying to the Afghan army and right. the Afghan Right, which police. is now in the hands of the Taliban. Right. You know, that we've we've had a video and pictures come out with the Taliban, um, you know, in in the places that the weapons are stored. You know, uh, you've got you've got video evidence of that. So no longer is that stuff even in the hands of the of the Afghan people. Yeah. Um, it's in the hands of the Taliban now. Yeah. So so not only have we doubled our our troops in there, but we've also supplied uh, the very 
the the very terrorists, in my opinion, who have taken over the country uh, with the weaponry they would need to defend it yeah. uh, against our own yeah. troops. So let's talk about the Taliban. Why is the Taliban so bad? Um, the Taliban haven't been in power for over 20 years. How do we know it's the same Taliban? How do we know that uh, this this transition is just going to be what Afghanistan is always meant to be? Um, well, let's take let's take a second and talk about the Taliban. The Taliban has been proven to house terrorism that has actually created terrorism on U.S. soil. Mm -hmm. um, it is there is evidence, and not only evidence, there is concrete evidence, and it's proven um, the reason why we are at war with Afghanistan and the Taliban and Al Qaeda was because. Al-Qaeda was responsible for 9-11, and the Taliban housed Al-Qaeda and right. uh, gave them shelter, gave them supplies, and uh, legitimized Al-Qaeda. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a little bit of brief history of the Taliban as far as the political side. Mm -hmm. So what about the social side? Um, Taliban have uh, been known to mistreat women, mistreat mm -hmm. children, uh, groom children at young age for war, things like right. that. Um, so how do we know that that Taliban is not... The Taliban of 96 to 2001, but that Taliban is the same Taliban today. Well, I think you can see that in the actions that have taken place since they have uh, reemerged in Afghanistan and they've taken uh, back over. Uh, we had uh, reports of a woman who was killed uh, because she wasn't wearing her hijab or hijab. her burqa. Yeah. Oh, burqa. There we go. Um, because she wasn't wearing her facial covering. Uh, you have seen uh, them going door to door in Kabul uh, looking for Christians, looking for anybody who has helped out Christians. Uh, we've had reports of missionaries saying that they could hear them uh, coming and that they expected to, to be killed within the next uh, few moments. We've had reports of, of Christian missionaries saying that they don't expect to live more than the next two weeks. Mm. Um, so you've seen a lot of this, uh, and you've seen a lot of, of the Afghan uh, people, their reaction to them taking over. You have women throwing their babies over fences to try to get them out yeah, of the out yeah. of the country or out of the out of the area to to be safe. Um, you have uh, you have children crying and begging for the United States to come back. Um, just you know the the compelling video of the girl who was saying you're you're abandoning us here and, and we're, mm. we are going to be left to us to slowly die. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you can see that it's the same Taliban based on their actions. So you've you've heard some things come out where they said, you know, we're going to protect women. And then shortly after, they're, they're caught killing women. Um, they have, uh, it came out reports on Friday morning, I believe, that they had been uh, beating uh, U.S. citizens over overnight. Uh, so we just, and honestly, I think that we don't really even know the extent of what's going on because we have uh, so little communication with the people that are actually still there. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, my heart goes out to the people who are still trying to report over there and give us the facts. Right. You know, there are still people, even, I mean, credit where credit is due, like CNN still has people out there, uh, Sky News has people out there that are trying to give us what is actually happening as mm -hmm. opposed to what we're hearing from our administration. Right. And I want to I wanna also extend that, you know, this goes back to more than just this administration. Mm -hmm. um, we've heard constant conflicting messages in the Middle East, mm -hmm. even as far as goes back as George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. um, it was just, if you recall, just in, in December of 2001, right after 9-11, that we were told that Taliban was no longer a threat and that we were we were actually making headway and mm -hmm. we were making great grounds. And I mean, hindsight, we're still like in there 20 years later 
Right. And, you know, we have been leery of pulling out because of this very mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So um, it, go, it extends through multiple administrations and conflicting messages, making the situation mm-hmm. look better than what it actually is. In reality, the Afghan military, the Afghan police were nowhere near ready Mm-mm. to handle themselves. Mm-mm. And um, I do not blame the leaders of Afghanistan for leaving the country because oh, they were just abandoned. Mm-hmm. And I mean... I mean, if if you're abandoned and you have nothing left to nothing left to defend, you might as well get out of there. Right. Um, so. And those people are still old enough to remember the Taliban leadership of yeah. of you know yesterday of 20 years ago. Right. So I think uh, if you were to want if you were to want to see an Afghan people who were no longer afraid of the Taliban who wouldn't run away or uh, wouldn't leave, I think you really need to raise up a, a couple generations right. uh, that have never experienced Taliban rule that only know freedom and then they're more likely to understand right. how to defend it where right. you have uh, right now you just have a lot of people who still remember what happened before and and they're they know that what's coming for them is uh is a, most likely a, a painful death yeah um you know they're torturing people who have helped americans they're they're uh they're uh, even to the point where they're checking people's phones for certain apps to see yeah. if they're if they're uh christian yeah they're checking or if they, people's phones for bible for apps. bible apps yeah. yes uh so you know they know they know what's coming yeah. when the Taliban takes power they know what's coming and so they're they're running because they they know what to expect yeah. and I think if you want to see a different reaction if you want to see a more Americanized reaction so to speak then you really have to go uh, a couple generations in so that the people who are defending the country are the are the children who have never known terrorism yeah. or who have never known uh, Taliban rule yeah I mean we're we're just one gen basically one generation removed right. from Taliban rule mm-hmm. and you know you saw some backlash of those who were raised in a different Afghanistan like mm-hmm. you saw people who were waving the Afghan flag and were protesting but little did they know how much that would not work mm-hmm. and you know you have people who are a little bit wiser and a little bit older saying that no this isn't that, that's not right. going to work because the Taliban just started shooting at them right <laughs> like, right it, open it, fire on yeah, the crowd right so mm-hmm. you can see how you know the the the, we just basically cracked the door mm-hmm. for Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if, if we we really needed to bust down the door and really kind of establish a different reality. Right. Um, and we kind of just scratched the surface. I think that's how much progress we actually made over right. there. And it's not the fault. I, I it's not the fault necessarily of our involvement. I mean, yes, of course. You know. Things didn't go perfectly over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's politics that got involved, things like that. Um, but these kinds of things just take time. Right. They just mm-hmm. take time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you still have um, you still have other nations throughout the world that have been under communism for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. You know, and you know, think China comes to mind and mm-hmm. like Korea comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Like the this is this has been so much ingrained that it's part of their culture, right. if you will. Mm-hmm. So trying to get that out of the Middle East where there's so much evil mm-hmm. and there's so much it's it's saturated so much right. that you know, it it, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think we needed to be there at least another 20 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At minimum, another generation, mm-hmm. we should have been there. Right, absolutely. And, and, and let's look at, let's, uh, we're so doom and gloom, but let's look at the positives, right, mm-hmm. of over the last 20 years. We were able to reduce our presence to 2,500. That's right. like less than Germany, 
less right. than Japan. Right. And these are Democrat countries. These mm-hmm. are de- they, they have a democracy in those mm-hmm. countries. So, I mean, the, the fact that we were able to operate as well as we did with 2,500 troops, right. I think that, that in to me... In a country of people who have never fought for themselves. Right, in a right. country that people have never fought for themselves. To me, that is a win. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a win, and I was okay with that. Um, yes, of course, I want to see every troop come home. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you ask, if you ask people in the military, like... They sign up for the military knowing that they could be in the Middle East. Right. And I would rather have them be in a situation of maintenance and mm-hmm. checking things and making sure things are mm-hmm. going according to plan, having a, essentially a desk job, if you will, with a helmet. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I would rather it be that than the alternative, what we're seeing now. I right. mean, we're putting 5,000 troops in harm's way to get people out of there. Right. I mean, the Taliban have checkpoints around. They We, we control just the airport. Mm-hmm. Everything else is the Taliban. Mm-hmm. They have checkpoints. They they know who comes in and out. Right. And so it's going to be hard for us to go and get our people. Right. And the the uh, the Biden administration said I oh, Friday maybe uh, that they there's no intention to expand that either. Right. So right. they have no intention to expand the the area that they're in. They plan on just holding the airport. So we've essentially just surrendered Afghanistan. Right. We right. essentially just wiped away twenty years of hard work. Right. Right. Which uh, it, to me is absolutely crazy. It's it's crazy that we put that much time, that much effort, that much money into being there, and then we just walk away from it. Yeah. And and you know it's it's funny. Uh, anytime you watch like a superhero movie, there's always a villain. There's always somebody in there who, uh, you know, has a, a bone to pick with the world. You know, your Thanos people. Um, but I've always said in, in watching a, any superhero movie that villains are not born; they're created. Mm, yeah. And I think that what we're doing right now in Afghanistan um, is is not. Uh, we're not we're not having terrorists born; uh, they're being created. Yeah. Because what happens to all of the Afghan people that we've abandoned? You know, what happens to those people? We abandon them and they say, oh, see, America is worthless. See, you know, they don't hold their word. They're not right. good allies. They do deserve to die. We we should do to them what they did to us. So I, I think that really you're fostering yeah. a, a terrorist mentality in the Afghan people that we spent the last 20 years liberating. Yeah. And and that's it's so uh, it's such an unfortunate event because what's going to rise up out of that is these young kids who have just been born, these kids who are five, six, seven, they're going to be indoctrinated to believe yeah. that America is a bad place, yeah. that we don't support our allies, that we don't live up to our, our the expectations, that we don't live up to our word, that we just invade countries for oil. You know, that's been a, a long time right. uh, uh, thing that people have said about America. And, and this really only proves those type of things to be true. Right. You know, even though it's not true of the majority of Americans, it's true of this administration. And yeah. that's what they will that's what they will grow up knowing. Yeah. It's unfortunate that America has gotten so soft on foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to go back 30 years or 20 years, we wouldn't we we would have never, ever thought about doing something like this. Right. Right. I mean, just like to me. It's so disheartening to know that the, uh, even like we take Cuba, for example, mm-hmm. like Cuba is out of the news cycle already. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, our our attention span as Americans when it comes to foreign policy has just gotten so short. Right. And I, I want to point out that I think that's that's what the Biden administration was hoping to take advantage of mm-hmm. was our short sightedness. Yes. Um, uh, originally, I think that Biden's intention was to do what he did all along, mm-hmm. but hoping that the chaos 
would have kind of been delayed. Right. Maybe a couple months where people aren't really, it's not in the news right. cycle. You know, we all clap, our troops are home. This is this is what's going on in what's left of Joe Biden's mind is uh, the troops come out, mm-hmm. everybody's home, everybody's cheering. Oh, look, at the president did a good thing. Right. And then a couple months later, Afghanistan falls to the Taliban. And we're mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, we left them with army. We left them with police. Right, uh, right. They should have been able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the way it's always supposed to be. Yeah. But instead, instead, what has happened is the Taliban has taken over control while we are still there. And we are seeing firsthand mm-hmm. what is what is going to be the result of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So when, when Americans are seeing it firsthand, that's when we care. Mm-hmm. But when it's out of the news cycle... When it's just the thing that people talk about, mm-hmm. Americans don't care. Right. And that's where I think that, you know, that us as a free nation have really fallen short is no, like we said in the last episode, is no, we're not trying to be the police of the world. Mm-hmm. But when we have when we have the power that we do, when we have the reach that we do, when we have the influence that we do, right? we need to uphold our values. We need right. to uphold, especially those who are crying out for freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single person who is not part of the Taliban doesn't want the Taliban there. Right, right. Like, so, I mean, and they can't fight for themselves. They mm-hmm. don't have the resources. They don't have the means to. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not just a matter of just, oh, let's take them here as refugees. You mm-hmm. know, the, no, like, th- this is their this is their culture. This, this is their, their home. This they don't want to leave they their home. They don't want to leave their home. Right, right. They don't want to come here so, as refugees. Right. They want their home to be free. Yeah. They want their land to be free. Right. And and so, uh, and so, like, that's why, that's the duty I think the United States has when it comes to foreign policy is when you have a people that are that want the taste of freedom mm-hmm. and they deserve to have their homeland, mm-hmm. we need to do everything that we can. And basically, we've just abandoned them. Right. And I think uh, what I've seen out of a lot of people this week, I've seen a lot of reactions this week of people saying, well, it's, it's not really our responsibility. And, and so say you have no empathy for the Afghan people and you don't care about the Afghan people. Um, you have absolutely every right to feel however you want to feel. You know, everybody has the right to their own opinion. Uh, but say you care nothing about the Afghan people. What we need to think about is the consequences of our actions there. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't care at all about the Afghan people, what about the, the uh, you know, nearly or up to 15,000 Americans that are still there? Yeah. Uh, the people who have not been evacuated, the people who are being beaten, the people who are being killed, the people who are being kidnapped, the people who are being raped. Uh, let's think about the Americans that are still there. And then let's think about uh, our history. Let's think about the fact that Winston Churchill was begging the United States to get involved when Germany was literally just right. taking over country after country. And uh, what kept happening is they, they would say, oh, you know, it's not our problem. It's not our problem. It's not our problem. And then what happened is Pearl Harbor, right. you know. So I think that we have to think about the consequences for us as a nation in the future. If we do not behave Correctly, if we don't, uh, if we don't do all that we can do to protect our allies, to to uphold freedom across the world, then we have another Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. We have another 9/11. Uh, those things are inevitable if we don't do what we can do to yeah. uphold uh, the freedom of others. And and especially when we went into Afghanistan in the first place, we were the ones who went there. We were the ones who liberated them. We were the ones who who really, uh, you know. Ended the 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 reign of the Taliban, mm. and it's our duty to uphold that at least for now. Yeah. You know, if if twenty years from now the Afghan people are in a completely different place, that's one thing. But they're not right now, yeah. and it is our responsibility and our duty to uphold what we have started, so we don't have another nine eleven. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, and it 
it, it's it's important to note that we have created possibly a worse Taliban right. than have before because mm -hmm. what does the Taliban now have? They have they have not only do they have the resources that we have basically given them, right. they have billions of dollars in our technology. Mm -hmm. Um so we have to try to create new ways if we were to ever combat these people again, we have to come up with new technology and new ways right. to counteract the technology we gave them. Right. So, I mean, you have a stronger Taliban as far as resources, but mm -hmm. you also have a stronger Taliban as far as morale. Right. Think about it. Like, uh, just under a week, they were able to capture a whole country that the right. United States had command. Absolutely. And While the United States was still there. Right. So we're not even talking about after the pullout. We're not yeah. even talking about after all uh, U.S. troops were off the soil. Uh, we're talking about while they were still there, while yeah. they were evacuating, the Taliban was able to completely take over the country. Yeah. You know, yeah. what morale? What, what you know, they must be excited. It, what, you saw pictures even of them, you know, they take over the, the capital and then they were like in at the gym they were at uh theme theme parks riding on yeah. uh riding on roller coasters like doing yeah. bumper cars i mean you just saw such excitement out of them and that momentum is going to carry over right and you can expect that they are definitely going to be planning because now that they have this morale mm -hmm. there you can expect them to be planning on doing something right that will uh, that will affect either third party or first party american american citizens right um it, it was it was funny it this happened um it was it was about a week week a week and a half ago now but the cnn reporter that was there uh she was talking to people of the taliban and you know as as things progressed you see the uh the the kindness kind of change or like the attitude towards uh americans is ch mm -hmm. changing at first it was like oh the taliban were like Oh, we're like great. Oh, like let's take selfies with the reporters, and you mm -hmm. know, like everything's high and goodness. And then it was like a flip of the switch. Like they were talking to the reporter, and then they were chanting "Death to America" mm -hmm. in the same breath. Mm -hmm. So like it's it's very strange. You see that transition over there, and it's soon you're gonna go. It's gonna go back to like you know, death to America. Right. We're gonna see if we don't get our people out of there, they're gonna be held hostage. Right. They're gonna there's gonna be ransom. There's mm -hmm. gonna be all of this chaos and stuff like that. And basically, our uh, our administration is basically being the PR for Taliban right now. Right. They're trying to backpedal the decision that they made by trying to legitimize the Taliban. Right. Trying to say, oh, we're in, we're talking with them, we're you know, we're negotiating with them, and right. things like negotiating that. Negotiating with them, uh, offering to pay to secure uh, right. Americans out out of the country. I mean, what a difference from Ronald Reagan, who says, if yeah. you don't let our people go, we're going to consider this an act of war. Right. And then you have Joe Biden saying, we're we're trying to offer them some money. We're we're telling them that if they don't do certain things, we're not going to pay them. Right. I mean, how crazy is that? It's yeah. it's absolutely asinine. Yeah. And we've we've seen scrutiny from now uh, European nations mm -hmm. um, from, you know, Britain. We have Britain and French intelligence uh, special forces that are actually going to uh, to the locations of their people and they're getting them out. Mm -hmm. um, and we have our administration saying that we don't have the necessary uh Right. resources to get our people out. I, I was <laughs> infuriated. I mean, absolutely infuriated when I heard that. What a disgrace 
President Biden is to this country. To say that we, with the greatest military capabilities in the entire world, do not have the ability to secure the safety of the Americans in Afghanistan, it's an absolute joke. I, it, he should be completely stripped of his presidency if that is his opinion of the yeah. American people and the American military and the American capabilities. And to say that, publicly say, we don't have the capabilities to go in Afghanistan, it makes us look weak, it makes us look incompetent, it makes us look confused. It's absolutely disgraceful. And if there is anything that I have seen in recent history that is an impeachable offense of a president, it is that. It yeah. is It is President Biden's response to this situation in Afghanistan. You're talking about an impeachment process that is still in place, an investigation that's still in place over the January 6th riots because it put people in danger. And and President Joe Biden is abandoning 15,000 Americans in Afghanistan. I mean, it's an absolute disgrace to our country. He is an absolute disgrace to our country. And I don't think that you can argue there has been a worse president in recent history or even in the long-term history of the United States. Right, yeah. And uh, the president of France actually was in a uh, phone conversation with President Biden and he said this, the head of state emphasized our collective moral responsibility toward the Afghan men and women who need our protection and who share our values. We cannot abandon them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we are we are seeing uh, leaders from much more progressive nations mm -hmm. than us who are, who are saying that we have a moral obligation. Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility um, to get our people out and also the the men and women of Afghanistan who we've right. allowed to be so dependent on us mm -hmm. and we didn't even prepare for them to be right. self-sufficient. No. So uh, the only thing that we have done was arm the Taliban. Right. That's the thing that if, if you want to look at it in plain, simple terms, if you want to summarize mm -hmm. what we have done is we have uh, allowed uh, the Afghan men and women to be thrown to the wolves, mm -hmm. and we have and we have put fuel on the fire for terrorism right, in, in the Middle East. That that is the summary of the last twenty years. Absolutely, and in if a you nutshell. and if you don't think that these Afghan people are are going to join the Taliban, they absolutely will. Yeah. They're, you know they're gonna they're gonna look at this as their life or death moment. You know right. we have a choice: we either join the bad guys or we die. And they yeah. and they will they will uh, they will not sacrifice their lives for the sake of maintaining a, a American. Uh, right. You know, uh, American integrity. They're and not I mean, gonna. They're not gonna do that. What choice do they have? Right. Absolutely. I mean, they they honestly have no choice. I would not blame a father for joining the Taliban. Right. Because right now the Taliban are looking for exes on people's doors. If Absolutely. you have if you have a girl over twelve years old, so they can take them. Right. I mean, so for the sake of your children, for the sake of your family, of your daughters, for your daughters, mm -hmm. and if you if you're married to a woman over twenty five, then you're just executed. Yeah. You're, you're just if 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 you have a married woman 25 years or older, if they've been found, the Taliban will promptly kill her husband and do whatever they want to her and sell her as a sex slave. Yeah. That is what's going on right now. Yeah. And 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 where are the feminists? Where are all of these feminist yeah. women that have been crying out for the 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 treatment of women and and how, you know, this this behavior is so unacceptable. Where where is the outcry of the of the right. feminist movement right now that that should be saying, "Hey, what are we doing abandoning these women here in in Afghanistan? What are we doing allowing them to to literally go back to 20 years ago where they can just be pulled off the street and raped and then sent on their way?" Yeah. Where is the feminist movement now? 
they're silent because this does not fit their agenda. This this goes against their party. You know, mm-hmm. they are of the Democratic Party. They are of the Liberal Party. And if they stand up and they say that what's happening right now is an injustice, then it goes against the fundamentals of, of their movement. So they, they stay silent. Even though this is a, a humanitarian crisis, this is a this is an absolute atrocity that's happening to the women of, of Afghanistan. You see that movement staying silent and, uh, and not really uh, having an outcry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And before and before we move on, I just want to point out the situation right now that um, our our people, our U.S. citizens are not going to get out easily, no. if at all, if at all, mm-hmm. if at all. So right now, um, this was reported uh, yesterday on Saturday from the U.S. Embassy that it says because of the potential security threats outside the gates of Cabal Airport, we're advising U.S. citizens to avoid traveling to the airport and to avoid airport gates at this time unless you receive individual instructions from a U.S. government representative to do so. Um, so this goes completely against what Joe Biden said on right. Friday. That there's nothing keeping them from getting to the airport right. safely. You know, I had to... Yeah, so the, the whole the whole thing right now is, oh, well, in a matter of time, you know, we're filling up our planes, which mm-hmm. are only at half capacity, mm-hmm. from what I hear. The planes are taking off, C-17s are taking off with half capacity, um, and they're having trouble landing in a safe, in a safe space because... Mm-hmm of the limited resources now that we have over there. I mean, and, and, and to me, like, being the freest nation on earth, we should have, I don't know, I wanna be careful how I say this, not necessarily a presence everywhere, but we should be able to at least have the resources everywhere in the, in the nation. Right. Everywhere, everywhere in, in that region, everywhere in the world, rather. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should be able to have a presence and 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 far as far as resources, mm-hmm. I mean, we have enough allies right now. I mean, we might not have allies after this. Yeah, who knows what we'll have <laughs> but, after this? Yeah, <laughs> but at least like we have, we are established on a world stage that we have enough resources and mm-hmm. allies to at least have some sort of safe space where at any right. given point in time, if we needed to evacuate out of a certain place, we'd have a safe space right. to do so. And we're having trouble doing that now in the Middle East region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to me, that is just crazy. Right. And it's only going to get worse. It's, yeah. it's only going to get worse over the next few days. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I honestly think that what will end up happening is we'll end up, we're at the mercy of the Taliban and mm-hmm. we're going to just gonna end up bribing them in mm-hmm. order to get our people. Right. Who knows if it'll work? I right. mean, this, this. Uh, and who knows re- what condition they're going to come home in, right. you know, after having been beaten, after having been raped, after having fingers or toes removed right. or, or body parts broken or, you know, uh, who, who knows what shape they're going to come home in. And this is why it's been in place for so long that we do not negotiate with terrorists. Right. Absolutely. This is the this is the reason why we've always held, upheld that standard mm-hmm. was because, like we mentioned in the last episode, uh, these this regime has no Geneva code, the, mm-hmm. no Geneva Convention. They don't follow any rules of engagement. Right. I mean, they they literally say in one breath that we're going to ensure that women have a place in government, have a place in society, mm-hmm. and at the same time kill women for not wearing the right head guard. Right. Right. And so, like these people are uh, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. They're uh, uh, they're radical. They're crazy. They're mm-hmm. insane. Like they, these, we're li- Afghanistan is now living in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And you can see that just from the last couple of days. And, right. and, and to me, it's just really sad. that It's this, a tragedy. It's a tragedy. It's, it's, this is going to go down as one of the saddest points in foreign policy in my, uh, that I've ever seen. Right. 
Probably it, the biggest mistake that the United States has made, and I don't even know. I can't. I can't even think of. A, that's a good way of putting it. A comparable like, situation. I mean, I mean, even Saigon, like Saigon, we pulled out in 1973 in Vietnam, and it didn't fall to North Vietnamese until uh, 1975. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was a two two years where I mean, like, we could have either did something or cleaned up, or like Vietnamese could have like done something to mm-hmm. ensure that that didn't happen so like i mean there's two years there that that took place this literally took place in less than a week less than a week this right. is literally the worst mistake i think i've ever read about ever heard about in the united states ever right i, I mean last week we were discussing what do we think is going to happen over the next few days and and here uh, a week later we're talking about a nation that has completely fallen to terrorism yeah. um and 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 literally less than a week yep. and i i definitely think that i want to make it publicly known that I definitely think that this is an impeachable offense Absolutely. for President Biden and he should resign. Absolutely. I don't care about the backlash with Kamala Harris taking office. No, I think that justice needs to actually happen. Right. Like right. I, 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 we can worry about crazy Kamala Harris being president later. Like, right. I mean, she'd probably do something to get impeached anyway. <laughs> yeah, she'd probably do something to get impeached anyway. But of uh. course, like, I just want to make it publicly known because we know that with a, a Democrat-run House and a Democrat-run Congress that this would never right. happen. But this is what should happen. The Can president... you imagine, though, if it was the other way around? If we had a Republican mm. president who made this mistake with a Democratic House and Senate, there would be no question. There would already be, I'm sure there would already be an impeachment process. Right, right. I mean, by the end of this week, I, we've already had, we've had a couple uh, senators come out and call for impeachment. Uh, Elise Stefanik has been very vocal, uh, which makes me proud uh, that she's our representative. She's been very vocal about the injustice that's going on, about the incompetence of the Biden administration in this uh, specific matter. Uh, so we've had some we've had some senators, some congressmen come out and call for impeachment, but we're not going to see that with a with a Democrat run Senate uh, and House. But if if the opposite were the case where it was a uh, Republican president and a Democrat uh, run Senate and House. Right. There's no question. Right. There would no already question. be an impeachment process. Right. right. And, that, and that just is another another angle to show the crookedness of the Democrat Party right now. Right. I mean, you, you, say what you will about the Republican Party. I mean, yes, we're sometimes we're spineless. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't uphold our values, mm-hmm. and sometimes we cave. But right now, if you're talking about a party of corruption, if you're talking about a party of you know and. Uh, alternate alternative intentions mm-hmm. and things ulterior motives and mm-hmm. things like that that is the democrat party right, right now right. the democrat party is yes they're unified in with themselves but in the midst of the party it is just complete chaos right right and and like this uh, this was something that this thing that happened with afghanistan was something that i s- saw that was a potential like that could potentially happen but mm-hmm. This was like the worst case scenario right, for me. Right, right. And it's so sad that that this administration did the worst case scenario. Like, Absolutely. I, like when I was thinking about Joe Biden becoming president, I was like, oh my gosh, could I imagine this, that, the other thing? Mm-hmm. And this was like towards the bottom of like, Right. The worst possible things that could happen. And we're living in it now. Right. We are. And and the thing is, we're only he's only completed now seven months of his presidency. We're entering into the eighth month of yeah. his presidency. And so I can only imagine how much worse the next three years and four months is going to be. I yeah. mean, I, I can't imagine if the administration has been this poor, this bad, this disorganized and this deceitful. I mean, a plain and simple, this deceitful to the American people in the last seven months, how much worse yeah. is it going to be? I, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what we have coming for us. Right. 
So get out there and vote. 2022. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this week on For the Entertainment, where uh, Tim Tebow was cut from the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars on Tuesday, he had a couple of things to say. We want to give credit to his positive attitude, and mm-hmm. I'm, I've been a huge fan of Tim Tebow. The thing is, he's a great guy. He's just yeah. a really great guy. And his response, um, I, when he came out on Tuesday, he said that uh, he's thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunities and the setbacks. I've never wanted to make decisions out of fear, uh, failure, and I'm grateful for the chance to have pursued a dream. And he's just, you know, uh, thankful to the to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's thankful to the NFL. He's thankful to the, for the opportunities. And uh, then he says at the end that um, he knows that, uh, God works all things together for for good. So I think it's it's just such a great example of his attitude. Um, and it's always been his attitude. He's never come out of an NFL situation or out of a professional baseball situation with a bad attitude, mm-hmm. uh, with negativity, with talking bad about coaches. It's such a, a contrast to what you see really in professional football these days where right. you have people like Antonio Brown coming out and just trashing every organization that he's been with. You have Le'Veon Bell coming out and trashing every organization he's been with. You know, wins the Super Bowl with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in the first thing he does is trash their coach so you it's such a, a different atmosphere than what you see out of the you know re- really regular nfl uh uh, uh, players right, right. now, yeah. um, players who have been cut or players who have been removed from a team. So I just think uh, his behavior is is such a great example. But I also think he's just he's a really good guy. Personally, yeah. he's just, he's a really great guy. And I yeah. wish he was better because I would love to see him be able to play on that professional setting. But honestly, I think he's doing such great things outside of professional sports that really he doesn't even he doesn't yeah. need to be there because what he's doing outside of professional sports is, there, is awesome. There is another angle that. Um, I will always look at Tim Tebow as an athlete and what he was great at. And that was his ability to lead Mm -hmm. as a quarterback. As a Broncos fan, I was just, you know, we sucked so bad. Are you sure you want to admit that publicly? Yes, I do. As a Broncos fan, (laughs) we sucked so bad when Tim Tebow was on our team. And it was just, we were a laughing stock in the NFL. Yeah. But what happened? We actually made it to playoffs. Right. And we won games in the playoffs. And right. That was I believe that was the year you beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Do, we, beat the, <laughs> we beat the Steelers in overtime. And yeah. I that was some of the most fun football. That even even right. Super Bowl fifty. I mean, that was <laughs> such a that was such a special moment for mm-hmm. me. Um, but this this was always going to be a memory for me. Right. And it was because of his leadership mm-hmm. and his morale in the locker room that got us there. It had right. no, literally nothing to do with talent. Right. Like, no, absolutely. Because and, arguably he's, he was really honestly not a very good quarterback, but his ability to motivate the people yeah. around him and his ability to build up the people around him. And that's something that you've seen consistently coming out of the, uh, the, the teams that he's played with. That's one thing that they'll say about him. They don't come out and they don't praise his football skills. They don't praise his ability on the field. Yeah. But what they do say is that there's no one they'd rather have in the locker room with them. Yeah. And I think that's because he's such an inspiring person. So it'd be interesting to see if maybe he got into like coaching or something mm. like that, because I really think that that would be such a great niche for him because he does have such an ability to really build up and motivate the people around him yeah. to do uh, better things. And he does uh, a, really a lot of 
great stuff outside of the NFL. He does a lot of charity work with uh, with people who have uh, special needs and disabilities. He does a lot of work uh, in in foreign countries with uh, with hospitals, with uh, with healthcare, and uh, he does a, a, a huge amount of work with uh, human trafficking, with uh, raising money and and putting together organizations and and charities and things that uh, rescue women from human trafficking and re rehabilitate them. Our last story today, uh, this is courtesy of the, the Morning Wire, uh, the Daily Wire's daily podcast that talks about the headlines uh, going on. And they talked about on Saturday, uh, streaming ser services are struggling, uh, specifically Netflix. So nearly half a million people dropped their Netflix subscription last quarter. This marked the first time that the platform lost customers quarter to quarter in two years. Netflix is not alone, though Disney has seen some improvement uh, improved growth recently. It's a new streaming subs new streaming subscriptions are still tracking below long term expectations. Mm -hmm. Overall, only three point nine percent of U.S. homes added a new streaming service last quarter. That's down from twelve point nine percent a year ago, the biggest drop in several years. Mm -hmm. Not only are Americans not signing up for new platforms, they're canceling their current subscriptions at a record rate. So, why do you think that? Uh, what is causing the sus subscriptions to struggle, you think? Well, I think that there's probably a couple factors that we have to look at. I think um, we should look at partially uh, the inflation that's going on. Mm. Things right now cost more than they did a year or two yeah, ago. Yeah, people prioritizing? Um, right. So I think that you've got a lot of households that have to say, okay, we've got to buy groceries this week. We've got to make our house payment, our car payment, so on and so forth. We don't have the ability to spend $15 on Netflix and mm -hmm. $15 on Disney and, and $15 on Hulu or whatever. I, I, and that's not exact prices because I'm sure they, they vary there. Uh, yeah, but I mean, so to speak, you... That's, that's funny, that not to cut you off, but that's funny that you bring up the pricing. Mm -hmm. I mean, just a couple of years ago when I was working for Geek Squad, the base level was eight ninety nine. Right. And right. when I got out of there, the base was up to twelve ninety nine. Right. And uh, if you want the HD you or the four K, you have to pay at least fifteen ninety nine. Right, right. It, it raised very quickly. Um and so I think that you're seeing a lot of people probably prioritizing what they're spending their money on. But I also think that you see a lot of people that are kind of saturated with a lot of content that's not very good. Um Netflix has put out some really good shows. Uh, you know, first off, Stranger Things is probably one of my favorite shows. Um you've seen you've seen them put out some some decent uh, some decent stuff, but overall it kind of gets saturated with a whole bunch of stuff that's not really good. Yeah. So it seems like instead of Netflix focusing on the quality of, and I think you see this with I think you see this with Disney as well. You see this. I think you'll see it more with Disney going forward um, as they kind of continue to vomit out more and more Marvel stuff. You're going to see more of a decline in the in the the shows. Mm. Um, you're not going to see the same quality that you did in the Mandalorian season one or even WandaVision season one. You're going to start to see that decline uh, in there in the quality of the content they they put out uh, but Netflix has been doing it for quite some time now where they have uh, they've quite literally saturated their streaming service with a lot of their original content but most of it is not very good quality mm -hmm. and so I think that a lot of people are just kind of at the place where they're like it used to be you'd turn on TV and there'd be like nothing to watch but you could flip on Netflix and you'd have a, a lot of content that you'd be right. able to stream a lot of interesting stuff that you'd be able to watch now it's like you flip on Netflix and there's really nothing thing interesting on there as well yeah. you know there's really nothing to watch on there no, it's very funny that you point that out because i'm starting to um like in my free time when i want to watch stuff i'm starting to 
kind of think of these streaming platforms as just another TV channel. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're starting to revert back to television. Right. Where, like, I'm scrolling through Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix, mm-hmm. and I'm like, not really anything on here that I want right. to watch. Kind of like how we used to flip TV stations mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh, there's mm-hmm. not really anything good on TV. Um, so I think that the, you're right that the quality has definitely decreased. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think... COVID definitely has a lot to do with it. You know, there was probably a huge surge in streaming platforms when mm-hmm. people were locked down. People are now not lo- not locked down as much, so they're, they're taking advantage, not watching as much TV. Right. I don't think... I, I think that's what streaming services want to make the headlines, but mm-hmm. I, I think it goes way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually, uh, like you were saying, the quality of stuff, um, it is... Probably because of the, the the delays in like Stranger Things and the hit shows like that, mm-hmm. but I mean Disney's kind of popping them left and right. These hit shows that mm-hmm. are supposed to be hit shows. You got like WandaVision, you got like Loki, you have mm-hmm. um, What If stuff like that that are supposed to be like big ticket sellers, and they haven't been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there could be also a political element to right. it. I think that uh, that Middle America is kind of tired of constantly hearing the same agendas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their in, in, in their shows mm-hmm. and um i think that also is the american voice kind of using their uh their influence in capitalism to right. make take a stand that there's not really good stuff that we want to watch like i mean netflix has their own genre for like black movies and television right, like i mean right. like i don't think that it's really popular with the American right. people. Yeah, it, it has gotten very political. And I think that you see that trend of uh, people dropping those streaming services. And, and what you're saying, uh, I, f- I feel like, can kind of echo in the correlation that we see between people dropping their NFL uh, yep. Uh, NFL uh, Game Pass tickets, their um, their uh, Sunday tickets, so on and so forth. You know, it wasn't long ago that we would have no question as to whether we were going to order the NFL Sunday ticket. Um, that was just a staple for us yeah. because, you know, every Sunday we want to watch the Steelers win. So <laughs> <laughs> so it was no question that we were going to, um, we that that was something we budgeted into our our uh, our, our money, you know, mm. that we were going to use our, our time and our money on that uh, as an, a form of entertainment. And now we're at the place where we're even debating how much football we're going to watch because yeah. the the football scene has gotten so political. So I think you can see that echoed in the correlation of other sports. Uh, the NBA never been something that I've been uh, really into, but the NBA you've seen drop a huge amount of ratings. Uh, the more political that they've gotten, um, you saw this year, especially with like women's soccer, uh, had got so much flack because of uh, you know the likes of like Megan Rapinoe or however uh, you pronounce her last mm-hmm. name. Um, you you see uh, a lot of decline in the support and in the watching of those um, those sports, of those uh, subscriptions, of those uh, television shows even. And I think that you're right, that that kind of echoes all across the board. And you, you see that correlation, and I, I think that you're right, that the causation really comes from the political, uh, the politically geared content that they're forcing into everybody's homes. Because, yeah. you know, you just want to sit down and enjoy a football game or yeah. enjoy an episode yeah. of Stranger Things I mean, the, without it pushing socialism get... yeah. or, you know, or Black Lives Matters or, you know, what whatever happens to be the, the social issue of the, the party right now, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we've seen, like, just with... Um, 
uh, like he used to watch Grey's Anatomy and how they would like in, in, integrate like COVID and stuff with it. Right. And like the whole point to they're, watch these shows is to escape reality. Right. And their ratings drop significantly yeah. because of that. And that's one of the big things that I've seen coming out um, because I'm one of the binge watchers. I don't I, t- I don't tend to watch it uh, live, but yeah. I tend to binge watch it later. So I haven't seen this current season, but uh, from what I've been reading about it, that a lot of the ratings have dropped and they believe the result it's the result of so much saturation with the coronavirus because people want to watch TV to, to as a form of entertainment, as yeah. a form of escape from reality. You know, when you sit down and you watch Stranger Things, you're not watching it because yeah. you can relate to it because, you yeah. know, your neighbor has coronavirus. You're watching it because it takes you into a different world. It takes right. you into a different reality. And I think that um, TV shows uh, and and really the, the producers of such have lost sight of what they're supposed to be doing with entertainment and instead have started using it as a platform to speak their yeah. mind and to speak their politics. And I think that that's a, a really bad Yeah, unfortunately, bad mainstream Hollywood and entertainment industries have just become more of a spokesperson for activism. Right, And, right. you know, uh, the, I'm really uh, proud of the kind of like the combat to that is that you know daily wire is going to be putting out films and mm-hmm. stuff like that um and i think that you'll start to see more uh middle of the road slash conservative leaning uh entertainment industries right. coming out mm-hmm. um and you know i i hope that I, that's good to me because i i'm a firm believer in capitalism and competition so i think that right. the more competition you have the the better stuff that we'll get so right. as the a better consumer the, quality. the better the quality mm-hmm. so and, and I think that's that's the biggest problem right now is that, like, it, it's not really necessarily that Hollywood is a monopoly, but everything goes through the same funnel mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So with everything going through the same funnel, uh, there's no choice or there's no uh, different variety. So right, right. Uh, everything's getting filtered through the same process. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more tunnels that we open, the better quality that we'll get as a consumer. Absolutely. So, Um, Thank you for tuning uh, this week's episode of For the Republic. I really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed and having her on again, uh, make sure you comment and like and tell me all about it. Uh, I think she's doing a great job. (laughs) Uh, Be sure to uh, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And uh, we'll get out of here because we ran a little bit long. See you next week.